Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. My message this morning, I was thinking to start it out with just quoting a line from the, the uh, Declaration of Independence. It's uh, Fourth of July weekend, and it says, in the course of human events, and human events have been going on and on and on, and they'll continue to go on and on. But America, as she is today, can become anything she wants to become, and this both sobers me and stirs me. It frightens me, but it also calls me to ask this to God faithfully. Habakkuk 3.2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Will you speak those words of the prophet Habakkuk with me this morning and say them to God with me as a church? Let's go. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I was born of the Spirit during a time of national revival in our country, in the church. And locally then, God placed me in a praying church, a Spirit-filled church, with a pastor who loves souls, preached the cross, preached the Word of God, and sought the face of God continually. Later that year, I experienced with that church and our city uh, a nine-week revival. It started to just be uh, some revival services that ended up going on for nine weeks, and they had church every night except for one night a week, and I never missed one of them. I don't say that braggingly because I wasn't going to that to attain some kind of status. I was going because God was moving and I wanted to be a part of what God was doing. Four years uh, go into uh, from that uh, and I went off to uh, Southeastern University and uh, sat under great uh, teachers, mentors, roomed with some awesome young men of God at the time and uh, the most the gr- m- meaningful times in my life were spent there. We studied revivals of the past. And in 1993 to now, here I am. Here I am. And I have one foot in the now. What? Oh, there I was. Four score and seven years ago. Holy smokers. Well... See what pastoring can do to you? (laughs) Grow your hair out, man. If God said, hey, I'll give it back to you, but you got to wear it like that, I'd say, bring it on, Lord, bring it on. Bring it on. Samson have his hair back. Now, (laughs) one foot in the now, another in the future. I do 
And I feel a call and I pray that I would and you would, we would serve God's purpose for our church. And I have a future look. But with that future look, I feel a real weight of a burden to preserve the past. Not the past of our church, but the past of the church. That it be preserved and not forgotten. In the next few weeks, I'm going to be going into that in more detail. Um, I feel like we're at a watershed time in the church in the United States. But before we get into that, because that's nothing lighthearted, I want to just talk a little lighthearted with the, the theme of this message being the, the way things used to be. And I'm glad that there's some things uh, that used to be that are no longer in the now category. And one of those things being uh, games you played at birthday parties and prizes you won if you won the game. See this over here? <laughs> I mean... You know, the guy, the, the, the people that had that party, they didn't lose any money putting that together. You stood there and you dropped clothespins in a jar and whatever person dropped the most in the jar won the grand prize of this, which is like a piece of plywood cut out with a, with a rubber band on it that wouldn't last for two seconds, stapled to the board by a penny staple so if you did win and I think I won maybe once in all my life you go home and if you can you can't even you can hardly hit the thing and if you do hit it you hit it and it knocks the ball off and it rolls down the street I'm glad those great days are gone I see these kids now and they go and they pin the tail on the whatever and the dinosaur or whatever and they come out with an iPad you know what I'm saying <laughs> what's that man we got ripped off we need someone to, to, to speak up in the Senate. I mean, we've been, we've been victimized back in our day. Be it known. And how about this? How about this one? Not that one, this one. Yeah, so back in the day, how many of you could really put an awesome playlist together, a mixtape? You were just... I mean, your friends just said, like, you know, they come to you, right? Yeah, I was one of those too. Not to brag, but it's true. And, uh, but here's the deal. This pencil right here wasn't a pencil. It was a fixer. Because what would happen is all that, all those, all that tape would get all jumbled up. And the thing was, man, you had worked so hard to put all those songs together to have the most excellent. And then the thing would get eaten in there and you, and you, and you, and you were lucky if you could fix it. Remember how you fixed it? You put that pencil in the sun. You How many of you remember that? I wasn't born yet, but I was told about it. It's a, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that there are things that used to be that are no more. And there are two of them. There are two of them. Well, this isn't as lighthearted. When I was in Scotland, we went to a church called St. Giles Church. I'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute. Uh, let's go there. This guy here is one of the greatest men of God that ever lived in the past 500 years by the name of John Knox. If it wouldn't be for John Knox and his preaching, America probably would not exist, and if it did exist, it would not exist in the form that it did when the blazing fires of awakening hit the streets and cities of our country. John Knox was a 
Presbyterian reformer. And that church that had been a, a, a Catholic church, due to the power of the Reformation and the preaching of John Knox, became a, a Presbyterian church on fire for God, and he pastored that church. They say John Knox is buried in this church. But uh, John Knox wasn't buried in the church, he's buried in the parking lot. There's a parking lot out there with parking lot painted spaces, and his body is under slot number 25. And when we went out to find his parking lot, there was a van parked over top of his body. And I'd already been stirred from being in the building and being in this great cathedral, and I could only wonder what kind of God moments took place in this place. The Queen of Scotland, Mary, said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than the armies of England. And now, a van from Ernie's Electric Services is parked over this man of God's body, one of the greatest men of God who's ever lived in the past 500 years. And I thought that's exactly the way it is today. It's exactly. And it's not only exactly the way it is in the world, it's the way it is in the church. And I have a desire to preserve the great things of the past because greatness in the future will be built on the shoulders of the greatness of the past. You and I, who are born of the Spirit, have been born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, to bring glory to God in our lives. And I want to look back at what God has done in your life and my life, if you're a Christian, for the next few minutes, to stir you up and to stir up your faith, to look back and thank God for the things that were and that hopefully the things that were are still the things that are and will be. For instance, some of you in this room, some of you are watching, some of you will be listening, some of you have known a tremendous saving grace of God in your life. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, who we have talked about already, filled with the Spirit, not lacking in any gift, released to that church in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we said before, had started to walk in a fleshly way. And Paul says to them, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual men. Are you still worldly? Are you still fleshly? And some of them are now going back to being what they had been set free from being. And he's writing to them to bring clarity to them, to remember the way things should be. What they were, they should be now, but had begun to sway. And so Paul writes a letter to put them back on course. And here's what he says. And America, listen to this. Stay with this verse, please. This is a passage of scripture, okay? Paul, do you not know? Uh, He would be shouting that question in the streets of America, in the parking lots of the church. Do you not know? That wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Listen, if the greatest apostle that ever lived said, do not be deceived, does that mean that we have the potential of being deceived? He is going to tell us in what ways we can be deceived over these issues that are now mentioned in this passage of Scripture. Ready? 
neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. I'm just going to let that simmer a minute. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Were. But some of you were washed. Some of you were sanctified. It means that you're not perfect, but you've been set apart from the way you were, set apart from the things that were, and placed in a new category of power with God, sanctified. And justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit, the Spirit of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit came into your used to be and took you from being what you were, and, and now you are now you're something else you used to be. And 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 but in the church, in the church there was a pull. In the in the city of Corinth there was a pull. And people were beginning to see that differently. And the Holy Spirit, who led Paul to write this, said, listen, I got to tell you, do you not know? In other words, have you not been told? Don't be deceived. That means that the demon spirits of the age are flying all around these things right here. And right here. Right here. I heard a young preacher the other day say, the goal of the gospel is not to affirm you, celebrate you, and accept you in your sin. The goal of the gospel is to rescue you, transform you, and redirect you. Unfortunately, that was spoken by a very non-famous young preacher. Many of the famous ones are still in their never-ending series on how millennials can overcome anxiety. I don't know about you, but I came from Scotland with fire inside of me. In the course of human events, the church in America can become anything she wants to become, and that sobers me and it stirs me. This frightens me and it calls me to ask God again, Lord, do what you did then, now. Do what you did when revival was moving through the churches in America in the Pentecostal charismatic Jesus movements of the past and you brought people out of lifestyles like this and into the kingdom of God and they clearly said, I was once lost, but now I'm found. They didn't bring their lost into their found. They did not bring their lost into their found. My prayer is that you and your used-to-be's that God washed you from will never become a now again. Some have moments of God-saving victories. 
I want you to think back. July 4th is when you think back about the founding of the country and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and what brought independence. I want you to think back of moments of God saving victories. I mean, you've been saved, but there have been moments. Has God ever gotten you out of a thing? Has God ever got you out of a thing that you got yourself into that after you got into, you thought, I shouldn't have done that? <laughs> oops. And it was worse than oops. It was, oh my, help me go, please. Right? If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us. Anyone? They would have swallowed us alive. Come on, man. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us if it had not been for Jesus. When the water came to here, he lifted me up. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. But praise be, come on, are we going to have church? Praise be to the Lord who has not, who has not led us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. Woo. And we have escaped. The snare has been broken and we weren't. And we have escaped. Our help is in the name of Jesus. Can you still say Jesus in the church? Jesus. Our help is in the name of Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. And don't ever forget it. And the one who made it is going to come back for his people. <clears throat> Throwback, the way things used to be. Here's another one. Some have known God's faithful keeping. He's kept you. He's kept you. You don't know how. Have you ever, and you maybe not admit it, but I'll admit it for you, Outwardly, you never said it, but inwardly, you thought, I'm not going to get back from this one. This one's just done me in. But the Lord has kept you. Is anybody hot or am I just preaching too good? <laughs> At my first defense, Paul said, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now, see, that's where Paul and I, at times... You know what I think the greatest reward of, uh, of uh, it will be if you get to heaven and you still have a sweet spirit? Amen's to drown me out. Over here. When you get to heaven, you won't have a list of they. You'll be sweet. You can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. May it not be out. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentile world would hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. And that's not hyperbole. That's real. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and forever. Amen. Has anybody in this room... Has anybody in this room, you could say, God's been faithful to keep me when everything turned against me. Amen. But you know, it scares me to think where I could have been without the Lord in my life. Do you ever just stop and go, do you ever just go back and go right before? 
But you know what? Like Toby said, his love broke through. His love lifted me up. His faithfulness keeps on keeping me. How deep does Jesus go? You know, when you made that real sincere commitment to the Lord, whenever that was, he believed you. And he made a greater one to you than you ever made to him. When we get there, we're going to realize it's because of him that we're in Christ Jesus. It's because of him that we didn't fall. It's because of him that we got back into sanity land instead of crazy town. It's because of him that we didn't just say forget it all and forget the church. And forget. It's because of him. It's never been because of me. It's because of him. It sobers me to think what was once could be lost or what is could be lost. King Solomon, David's son, prayed for wisdom from God as a young man and he had a dream and God appeared to him and gave him wisdom beyond anybody's wisdom of his day and blessed his life. You read about the prosperity and the victory on Solomon's life. But Solomon began to incrementally fall in love with other women and who were in love with other gods. And he took their gods into his life. And he lost a lot that he had had with God. And so what Solomon did instead of doing what God wanted him to do, he began to build with his hands what he had lost in his heart. It sobers me to think what was once could be lost and what is could be lost. During the days of King Josiah, when Jeremiah was preaching, the word of God had been lost. The priests, the prophets were preaching of their own imagination. And the word of God was not center point in the world of the, of the people of God. And two of King Josiah's servants found a book in the house of the Lord. It was the word of God. Imagine that. Doing church without the word of God. I hope we never get there, right? I've had people come up to me, and not complimenting to me, but said to me, they had been in church for years and years and years and have never heard anything preached like this. And they weren't meaning me, just meaning I'm in the Bible, I'm in the Word of God. Don't look for that scripture from 1 Corinthians 6 being soon preached from any of your popular podcasters. Don't look for it. As I said, they're on the never-ending series of how to help a millennial get through their anxiety. I'll tell you why we're anxious. Because we're not seeking God's plan for our life. I'll tell you why we're anxious. Because we fear everything but God. That's why we're anxious. When you fear God in the proper way, you don't fear anything else. I came back from Scotland to preach the word. It's 4th of July. (laughs) 
I fear that we as a church could lose the powerful moving of the Holy Spirit. We got nothing if we don't have the move of the Holy Spirit in our church. Nothing. When I was a sinning 17-year-old kid, you couldn't have had the most exciting banana split contest gathering at a corny youth group that would have attracted me. But I went to church that didn't even have a youth group, and on a Sunday morning, Jesus of Nazareth, in his power, sat down on me, led me to an altar, and I started going to church. I went to Wednesday night Bible study, didn't have any women there under 60 years old, and they all smelled like rose water. <laughs> I wasn't looking for cool though. I found what I was looking for my whole life long. Do you know Jesus Christ hears the prayer that you don't even know you're praying? Some of you here for the first time, you coming back? This is what we do. I fear that the powerful moving of the Holy Spirit will be replaced put in the back room, put off in the corner, lest the world get changed. We can argue with an atheist, we can argue over the issues of gender and all that stuff and go to ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, point by point by point by point, psychologists say blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you what, when the power of the Holy Spirit moves, people that have argued for 35 years with you will change in a second because God... Because God gets a hold of a person. I'm wearing this shirt again next week. I fear. I fear that people I love will not long will no longer walk deeply with the Lord. I remember in that revival, me and my cousin and his friend, we were there every night. Sat about four rows back every night, man. And we were there before anybody got there. Carrie, it was your church, right? And listen, one of my friend, one of the three, he came in one night, he goes, praise God, God just blessed me with a job. And we're like, that's awesome, where at? He told us where. And something on the inside of me, which I didn't realize then was a prophetic gift in embryonic form in my life, checked my soul that he was going to be out of the will of God. And I didn't say anything to him. Next thing you knew, he wasn't there because he had to work. Now again, we all have to work, but listen. There are some times in life when the only thing you need to do is fix your eyes on what God is doing in your life. And the enemy will bring anything to just get you to go like that. He's good at the Jesus plus game. Because the plus will lead you away from Jesus. That guy never came back. Never came back. And he didn't know that that, what that blessing was. That was a trick of the devil. I fear that people who are walking with the Lord won't be walking with him again. Do you know how many people have been in the LOH church? Do you know how many people have come up to me after a couple weeks and said, joy, 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 hallelujah, hallelujah? 
Never heard anything like it. I'll be back. Don't you worry, pastor. If anybody messes with you, they got to get through me first. Usually when people tell me that, I think you're the one that's going to do it. <laughs> that's the way it's always been in 30 years. Right? PK? Here are two giant men of God who walked with Paul and walked with the Lord. Colossians 4.14 mentions them. Paul's in jail for preaching the word of God. And he writes to the Colossian church from jail. And he says, our dear friend Luke, the physician, and Demas greet you. He's two brothers, on fire brothers. Luke goes on to write the gospel of Luke, right? And Demas, we know two things about him. He was with Paul and he had to be on fire because Paul didn't allow anybody in his inner circle that wasn't on fire. I will. <laughs> Just like those jobs that come as blessing, sometime the answer to prayer for the person we've been praying for. Paul didn't let anybody in his inner circle that wasn't on fire. So what we know is Demas and Luke were on fire. You don't hang around a guy that can get his head cut off if you're not in love with the same Jesus he's in love with. That's in AD 60 to 62. Somewhere in there, the Colossian letter is written. Go with me now to AD 66. Paul is in prison, in a sewer, under the streets of Rome. He didn't have television. He wasn't working on a degree. He wasn't making license plates. He was in a dark dungeon sewer under the streets of Rome with demons saying there is not one church thriving that you planted and that was true there is not one person that's walking with you anymore and that was true and he was writing to a young pastor in Ephesus this young kid who was scared to stand up because the world was coming for the church and the devil was coming for the church and Paul says stir up the gift of faith that's in you and then he ends the letter by saying Demas has deserted me since he loved this present world. And he went to Thessalonica. But only, and only, good old Luke. Only Luke is with me. Between AD 60 to 67, this on fire inner circle with the Apostle Paul. The reason why I have a super feeling in my heart is if this guy can fall back in love with the world, Jesus, help my soul. When have I ever arrived to the point when the Holy Ghost is moving in a service and I have an altar call and you don't feel the need to respond to it? St. 
2 Timothy 4.11. This is a young man by the name of Mark. Paul, late in his, this is, he's in the sewer, and he writes to Timothy, and he says, get Mark and bring him with you. Get here before winter. Because Paul knows if you don't see him before winter, you'll never see him. He's going to be ex- he knows he's going to be executed. Because he is a great help to me in ministry. But see, a few years before that, in the 50s, 50 AD somewhere, Mark had been on a ministry trip with Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was Mark's uncle. And uh, it was hot. I don't mean temperature-wise. I mean, they went into the hot zone. They, they got out of the helicopter, and as soon as their feet hit the ground, they were taking on enemy fire. It wasn't Bible club. And John Mark's a young kid, and he sees this. He sees it's not a catalyst conference. It's not sitting down on the couch with Betty Lou and Dr. What's-His-Name. It's hot fire. And as soon as he got an opportunity to get out, he got out. I don't, hey. Currahy, which was Marine training for, uh, for the 101st in the, in the Band of Brothers movie, where they're in the United States and they're running up the hill and down and who, it's hard training, jumping over walls and uh, cr- crawling under, under barbed wire in the United States. That's different than the forests of Verdun where you're watching your best buddy explode in front of you in a foxhole. I'm telling you that this thing is hot. And we have to get ready for it. This wishy-washy kid had a mature leader that stayed with him in discipled John Mark to a place where in the last months of his life halfway through the fourth quarter the great apostle Paul says bring Mark come on now Jesus I hope you hear my heart And then there's this young ministry leader at the crossroads moment of his life. Does he go after the call with all he has or does he back off of it? His name is Archippus. He's mentioned in the scriptures. He's the one that the apostle Paul for all of thousands of years to come is going to be known as the one that he called out to go after the call and not back out. Archippus. And he writes it not just a private letter to him. He puts it in the Colossian letter so the whole church sees it. Archippus. Imagine the reader of the letter, the pastor in the church of Colossae getting up, reading that, getting to the end and going, "Um, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Fulfill means that if this is the the whole capacity of your ministry, it means it's up here. It's not here. It's not here. See to it. See to it. I think when we get to heaven, Archippus is going to be at the door and he goes, I did. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I know you've wondered. Just... (laughs) 
oh God, put my name in the Bible. Really? <laughs> but I'm also, I'm stirred. I'm sobered, but I'm stirred to, uh, to believe what could be. I'm asking God about this tidal wave. Before leaving on vacation, I had a lot of things to think about and pray about. I got a message uh, after preaching the series on the waves. I got a message about the tidal wave that I had mentioned in uh, the message Catch a Wave. And I got it at the time when I was actually thinking about it. I have one foot in right now in my life and you have to have a foot in right now. I said you have to have a foot in right now because tomorrow is not here. Today is all the here there is. And we must be present in the right now. And the Lord said this to me, I wrote it down. The Lord spoke to my heart and said, people with a revel, listen. People with a revelation will not be victimized by those in reactionary emotions and radical revolution that comes from a carnal soul. I'll say it again. The reason why we have to be present in the now and seek God is because people with a revelation from God will not be victimized by those in reactionary emotions and radicalized in a revolution of a carnal soul. People with a revelation from God will be steadfast and solid. Amen. So I'm on the streets of Edinburgh. I'm walking up this road and it's called the Royal Mile. And there were so many prophetic things that happened over there and on the way there. We're walking up the Royal Mile and we go into St. Giles Church. And I said, this church was a seedbed of the whole Reformation. And I just walked through there with my son and family and I was looking at everything in there and I'm, and, uh, I'm imagining the glory of God that was in that church in the 1500s that broke the, the shackles of, of, of Catholicism off the people and, and, and birthed the movement that spread across Europe and put a fire in the founders of this country. If it had not been for John Knox, who walked up the same street that I was on, and that shook me. His home was just down over the hill. I imagined him up in that pulpit that rose up in that amazing place thundering the word of God. And I went and I stood in front of his memorial, that image of him. And I stood in front of him. And I got another dose of what I call, over the, I've been having over the past two years, haunted holiness. Haunted holiness. It's about knowing that I'm not going to stand just before Jesus. I'm going to have to look John Knox in the face. You won't. I will. I'm doing what he did. And that's enough to make me, you know, if I didn't know God wanted me to do it, just say, hey, you take over, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stood there in front of him. I could hear the echoes of the ages of these people 
his contemporaries that were burned alive simply because they translated the scriptures from Latin to English of which has been deposited into your hands and mine. That's why I brought Excalibur today. This Bible isn't old, it's been used. So, before I went to Scotland, I get this message about the tidal wave when I'm asking God about the tidal wave. I began to pray and in my apartment I'm led by the Lord to a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. And I read it in the New American Standard which is what Excalibur is and which is the one I like the best. And sometimes I go NIV which I think I've gone NIV most of the day. And I look around other places but I, I'll just say I felt led to read the Passion Translation. I wish... Brian wouldn't have called it the translation because it's really a paraphrase of his own thoughts. But eh. anyway, here's what it says in Ephesians 3 in the Passion. By constantly using your faith, I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to this, by the way. This is for me. By constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love And don't pick on Brian for this passage because it's pretty straight. It's pretty right there with New American Standard and IV and RSV, actually. And And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Never, now listen to me closely because I said all that to say what I'm about to say. And what I'm about to say is going to set your hair on fire. When you, when they do sparklers at your picnic, just, you'll be able to just put your head there and light all the sparklers. <laughs> never doubt, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest de- imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity. So I'm listening, to that, I'm reading that passage, and I know God's talking to me about it, I'm trying to, I'm trying to filter it, and I'm trying to understand what, what he's saying there. And then I, I get this other one from uh, Exodus 3 where uh, the Lord appears to Moses in the burning bush we know and but this particular part and this is the American Standard 1995 version he says therefore come now this is Yahweh talking and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people the sons of Israel out of Egypt I don't feel like I'm Moses I'm not somebody that's going to lead the country I'm not that the only part that it was about was what right here because this is what I feel when I look at that tidal wave and I think about the future I think about my foot here and my foot there and how there is such a watershed thing going on and people are everywhere and things are being changed and deconstruction this and progressive that and all this stuff and God and I feel so me me and we me and we me and my I they know me colleagues we're we're all kind of like can you bring John Knox back we're all kind of like that who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that, sh- and that I should bring the sons of Israel. And here's the answer to all of us for everything that it is. Here's the answer. It always has been, always will be. I will be with you. 
Come on, man. Do you know who that I is? Do you know who that I is? That I is the I that spoke the world into existence. That I killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night before they woke up to protect the nation of Israel. That I raised his son from the grave of Joseph of Arimathea. That I is coming back again. He's going to shake this place. I will be with you. That's all you need to know. Dust, can you preach next week? I won't have a voice for a month. <laughs> so, I'm in a coffee shop in Scotland. Larders. Eating breakfast. I get a text from Carrie Butler. I can't remember your last name now. I just think Carrie Butler. God love. That's right. God love. That's right. <laughs> Carrie's mom. I'm sitting in a coffee shop in Scotland. Get a text from Carrie's mom, who is the wife, and more than that, but the wife of a very trusted friend, pastor, highly respected national leader in the Assemblies of God, and greatly respected by everybody in our network. And she's one of many people who've been praying for me over the past year. I didn't really know this. She sent me a text about a year ago and said, Tim, I want you to know every Wednesday, I pray for you. Well, it was Wednesday morning, I had a text from her, and she said, I want to share with you a passage that God laid on my heart for you, and it's from Ephesians 3, and it's from the Passion. <laughs> Most good AG people aren't necessarily, it's not, it's not necessarily the, 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 the we don't go to the national conference, they turn to the Passion, that's, so uh, there's my first sign. And then the very thing that God spoke to me in it, she hit three times, said the th three times she said, never doubt, never doubt, never doubt. I'm reading that at a coffee shop. Blew my mind. Within an hour, we're walking up the King's Highway again. Is that what it was called? The King, King's Road? Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. These two guys right here. There's th this is Chuck. This is Dave. Um, they're standing in front of another church building, probably 1500s. At least I thought it was a church building. And usually if I see anyone standing on a street with a sign like that, no disrespect to Chuck and Dave, it kind of turns me off. And I don't mean that if you do that, it's wrong to do it, but I've seen a lot of it that's just not necessarily the, the way to do it. But I looked over and I saw those guys. I didn't feel anything negative about them. Actually, something came up on the inside of me with this deep heart of compassion for them. And I was walking along with my kids, my grandkids, and we got back to our place we were staying. And I looked at my daughter, Savannah, and I said, hey, I got to go back and talk to those guys. And she looked at me with a kind of a smile because she knows that's dad. That's what... That's what dad does from time to time. And they've been there when I've done it. Others have been there when I've done it. The boardwalk, wherever it is. I don't just do it, but I, you know that feeling you get? So I went back there and I walked over. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if they were going to say, repent. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know. I didn't know. Let me tell you this. Before I went to Scotland, I joined this prayer organization about a month ago called Revive Scotland. So I get there. 
And I say, they're doing remodeling on this building. And I said, are you guys from this church? Or I see you're remodeling the church. Dave gets tears in his eyes and says, this isn't a church, it's a marketplace. A lot of the church in Scotland is dead. And Chuck and I are a part of a group called Revive Scotland. Oh, it gets better. And we have networked with a lot of young pastors, young pastors, hallelujah, (laughs) who are praying for revival in Scotland. And we're just standing here. And I told him what we were doing and while we were there. And Chuck, the only thing that could have made it more prophetic was if there would have been a woman there named Vera. Because Paul McCartney and Sgt. Pepper wrote a song called When I'm 64 and had Vera, Chuck, and Dave. And if there would have been a Vera there, I would have been raptured. (laughs) So Chuck, Chuck, Chuck takes me by the hand. And he says, in the Scottish of all Scottish accents, I believe God sent you here for me to tell you something. And he said, Tim, when, are you listening? He said, Tim, when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, I'm telling you the truth. The one thing God wanted him to know was this. He would be with Moses. And I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit sent you over here to us so I could tell you that God's going to be with you. And now pray for us and pray for Scotland. My God. I had a meltdown. We took... We, we got in a prayer circle and prayed. I mean, the glory down. Let's go to the next one. This is the closest picture I can give of something that I've seen in my spirit for a decade while I've preached up here randomly from time to time, while I've preached, I've seen in my mind that. And it's always offshore. And uh, I'll just share with you, um, gosh. Whenever I've seen it, I never was afraid of it. I never saw it as dangerous. But the person that when I was praying in my house before going to Scotland sent me a meme of a tidal wave and it said, beautiful to watch, but dangerous to underestimate. (laughs) And I prayed, God, am I in the way of this tidal wave from happening in our church or in the whatever? Am I doing something wrong? Am I, am I give me God, show me, show me. And I knew that I needed to take a deep dive myself 
to get answers to that? Well, the answers to that came within an hour in Scotland. The tidal wave is the love of God released in the church by the presence of his spirit. That we don't work down. We don't work down. We get in position to receive in all humility from the top down. And it's all about timing. Did I just describe to you God moments that are in precise timing? No way. These two, those two guys, they didn't know me. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, how did, they, how did he know? How did your mom, Carolyn, Carolyn, how did, if you're, how did you know? I know. We have the same father. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. Come on, somebody. Make them known in our time. I want to close with this. We're at a crossroads in America. What kind of follower will I be? If I'm going to be called a follower of Jesus, follow him then. What will I do with the truth of God's word? Will the ways of the world keep gaining ground and transform us from being a holy and anointed people to become a slowly dying worldly representation of a Jesus that really isn't? This is affecting our nation right now. We don't have a politics problem. We have a prophetic witness problem. We do not have a political problem. We have a prophetic problem. The church needs to get a new wave of the glory of God in it. And there are things that we've allowed to come too close to us and we need to throw them back where they belong, outside of the gates of the city. Let me, just say, let me just say one more thing. There is a, there is a story that I've heard a lot of uh, young, I've, I've heard a lot of old pastors use this illustration. There's an old farmer and his wife and they're in a red truck and they're sitting at a traffic light. And in front of them is another car with two teenage kids in it. Guy and a girl. The guy's behind the wheel and his girlfriend is snuggled up next to him. And the old farmer's wife leaning against the one door, door and the farmer holding the steering wheel behind the steering wheel. She looks over and says, we used to be like that. And the farmer looks over with a grin and he says, I haven't moved. Bride of Christ. Bride of Christ. Jesus would say to you and me, I haven't moved. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, we must have you make them known. In wrath, 
Remember mercy. There are some things I missed in my life and they've come back round again. And I'm not going to miss them this time. Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia, I set before you an open door and no man can shut it. How about a comeback? How about a better than used to be church of Jesus Christ wherever you are listening? If God in his providence gets this message to you, it's meant to go to you. I don't want one. I don't want the last soul I've led to Jesus to be a throwback story from yesteryear in my future sermons. I don't want my greatest God moments to be in yesteryear. I want Jesus to say to me and to you, you believe because of that? Behold, greater things than this you're going to see. Friend, I'll tell you, I have seen, you, you don't have to, I don't know if you, what do you think of me? But I'm telling you, I've seen a wave, I've seen a tidal wave. I haven't seen a trickle. I've seen a tidal wave. I want everybody to stand. If you're a young person, if you're a high school kid, if you're a junior high school kid, if you're a college kid, and if you wish you were a kid again, here's what you and I need. Listen. We need more than a pat on the back. We need more than a Bible verse. We need a tidal wave. I want... I open these altars up, especially for young men, young women, young college, middle school, high school kids. I want the Holy Spirit today to meet you around these altars. To come. I don't care what time it is. Do you got somewhere else better than this to go to? I want the Holy Spirit to come down and wrap a mantle on some of you today. I have watched some of your lives and I see your future. I don't see it precisely, but I know the hand of God's on your life. And he is stirring me up because I know what you need. I know what you need. You need an anointing. You need a mantle from God. You need a new measure of anointing to walk into the measure of your destiny. You need a tidal wave. I know what you need. You need to prepare now for what's to come. What's coming is a glorious opportunity, but not without a cost. You will have to pay a cost and it will be a battle for every inch of territory that changes you, that changes cities, that changes circumstances. You will have to fight the devil for every inch of territory and he does not quit easily. You're going to have to crush him. I want you to come forward. Young woman of God. Man of God, because the Holy Spirit wants to put a mantle on you so that you won't compromise. You'll be stubborn for holiness, but with a sweet, 
mercy, compassion-filled spirit for those that are struggling, for those that are compromising, for those that are taking what they think are blessings, which are tricks of the devil, and you will not judge them. You will have an anointing. You'll snatch some of them from the fire. But you need a mantle on you. Because what's coming against the church is going to be a gunfight at the OK Corral over issues that I that were on that screen listen and I'm not going to name names yet but great generals are caving over this and I'm not better than any of them any I'm worse I fear what I could transform into and compromise it's one thing to say you'd stand when there isn't a group out there Outside here, waiting to meet you with news reporters and, and stories to be made up to, 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 to destroy you over issues that you take a stand on, even if you did it like Jesus Christ. You have to take 15 minutes to make sure everybody knows you don't hate people before you read a Bible verse in the New Testament. So, when did you expect different? If you read this. But he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And so Jesus, send a tidal wave of your freeing love. Send a tidal wave of your life-giving love. Send a tidal wave of your creative love. Send a tidal wave, Lord, and just keep it coming. Keep ebbs and flows coming. Lord, that we would honor you. That we would stand on the shoulders of great men and women of God. And we would steward the deposit they've placed before us. And we would see a glory on the church of Jesus Christ in the United States that would almost be so powerful we would forget the Great Awakening. We believe that you are that God. You are the I and the I am. And we welcome you in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.